The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Welcome to Paper Cuts, the podcast all about books. I'm Louisa Cossa and I'm joined by my eminent co-hosts, Karen Des and Gina Todd. And today on, oh, first of all, you can hit us up on Twitter, you can hit us up on Insta, and we're at Paper Cuts Pod. And you can also get us on email, papercutspod at gmail.com. All right, moving swiftly along. Yeah, we're so efficient today. I feel feel good. Yeah, I'm feeling very clipped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple of shout-outs. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah. please. Now's so we have a listener named James Guthrie. Hi, James. Hi, James. He accosted me and said he saw me walk past the cafe that he was having breakfast and he said, I know that haircut. What cafe was it? He was in Fraser's. Ah. And such an iconic hairdo. (laughs) And he said, I know that haircut. That's the girl from the paper cuts. And came in and said that, you know, he was listening and he'd read lots of books that we'd recommended. So a really engaged listener. Oh, James, that's so nice. Yeah, so nice. Thanks for listening. And, um, I wanted to shout out to Ross Lorimer from Allen and Unwin, who is a cycling enthusiast and said that we he's been listening to Paper Cuts and that we remind him of his favourite podcast, which is called The Cycling Podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so honoured. So thank you, Ross. I have to check out The Cycling Podcast. Must be good. Must be good. <laughs> and I have one more shout out to Miles from Faber and Faber UK, and author David Keenan, who sent me a tote bag with a lovely note saying, thank you for all you do for Faber books. That is so cool. Which no publisher has ever done before. And I was just so Intense. thrilled. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm obsessed with tote bags. Yeah, we well, have you're talked about this Faber as well. <laughs> so you've never really given the, the shout outs to any other publisher quite the way that you have with Faber. Well, that's a, a, a great um, list of people of nice things. Um, side note, my friend just named her baby Lorimer. Congratulations. Oh. And I cannot wait to tell Ross about it. <laughs> named after Ross? They don't know each other, but, but I would like to say yes. Yeah. They will. <laughs> okay. So today on the pod, we've got our usual stunning lineup of book news, uh, the Unity Book of the Month, uh, book reviews, and we do have a Who the Fuck Is, yay. It's a doozy. And then we have not books. So in book news, um, we should probably talk about the fact that the Ockham New Zealand long list came out. When did that come out, Jenna? Well, we, we're just a little bit behind because of yeah, when not, we record. we're not synced so up with them. You've probably heard a lot about it already, so I'll just glaze over it. This happened at the end of January. Next week, it's the short list. Mm. Last time with the Ockhams, or the last few times they've had the long list come out before Christmas, so this is a really short um, phase of the long list, but it allows the judges for more judging in a longer time to read. <laughs> more books. reading time. More reading times. But um, what I was just saying to these guys earlier is that um, we, all of our predictions from last pod went on there, so oh. we're feeling pretty chuffed and yeah. smug and happy. Um, with ourselves, so shout out to <laughs> Anne Kennedy, yeah. Tina Makariti, Fiona Kidman. Yeah, all of those, all of those on there. A lot of university presses are on there. Massey's on there twice. Um, this, we have Steel Roberts on the long list again. Um, Love a bit of Steel Roberts. Yeah, so that's so it's cool to see the small ones coming through. And so you, we'll put a link up to the full long list, but keep an eye out for the shortlist to come out. 
and we will um, talk about that a whole month afterwards. Look <laughs> forward to that hot take. I think the shortlist is quite exciting because it feels really definitive. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And uh, both lists are just so, so great for informing your reading as well. If you're like, I don't know what to read, then go there. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, well, what do we have next on the book news? Um, it has been um, Baxter Week. Um, there have been quite a few pieces on the spin-off, and my favourite personally was uh, Jack McDonald's piece mm. on on his nana, Jackie Sturm. It's mm. a really fantastic piece, and there was an exciting coda at the end hinting that he might be writing a book about her. I think uh, that piece was amazing. It I was. guess um, So James K. Baxter's Letters has just been published by VUP, and that is the reason for the spin-off's Baxter Week, and it's been a little bit controversial, which we won't delve into um, because of some of the things that were in the letters, mm. but I thought the highlight of the week was that piece as well. It's the, the woman yeah. behind the man yeah. and how amazing she, she was. Yeah, she was she one was... of the first Māori women to be um, have literature published in English as well. Yeah, that's right. Um, she was a giant of New Zealand literature, really, and, mm. and New Zealand scholarly studies in Māori and te reo, so... And no. was she, did she go to med school as well? No, I can't remember. Or did remember. she study some kind of medicine? <laughs> okay, sure. we should stop now. Yeah. Um, because it's obviously been a few days since we read that. Yeah, yeah. No, it was fantastic. <laughs> but it was a great piece and we'll link to it on our page. And I do think the coverage of the week um, seemed like quite trying to be, you know, delicately uh, nuanced. Nuanced, yeah. yeah different and different sort of sides. And, so I thought that yeah. was really cool. Quite yeah. nicely handled. Yeah. Um, some other news is Peter Wells, the important and influential writer, filmmaker and activist, passed away. And he just was known for his sharp intellect. And um, before he passed away, his recent book, Hello Darkness, was published by Mighty Ajax. And I just want to shout out to Mighty Ajax for the absolutely beautiful work they have done with that book. Um, that was, it was a collection of his pieces that he wrote on Facebook, wasn't it? And was published in the spin-off yeah, yeah. after his um, diagnosis. Some of them were published on the spin-off. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And they were beautiful pieces, really reflective about, you know, dying, essentially. Mm. And really honest and open and kind yeah. of frank and vulnerable, but really staunch as well. And, um, yeah, I think it is a beautiful production. And so I think all publishers should look at that as an example of really strong production values. Yeah, and just such an amazing literary life, you know, mm. publishing in the LGBT sphere, mm. um, you know, way back in the day. Um, there's a nice piece on the spinoff about that, um, which we will also link to on our page. And, you know, he started the New Zealand Book Awards. He's just mm. done yeah. so much. Mm. It's unbelievable, really. I wanted to um, acknowledge his um, piece, um, Jules Dahl, which mm. was um, the 1986 groundbreaking um piece starring a young Georgina Byer and it was um, sort of based around the day in the life of a transsexual and also his death in the family which was based around um, the death of one of his friends which was one of the first people to die from AIDS in New Zealand and um, just a really moving kind of portrait of mortality and illness and family really amazing work really sad to lose Peter Wells oh Um, I feel really sad R.I.P. R.I.P. At least he leaves a wealth of Mm. work as a legacy for people to reflect on. And it's great that he got to launch his book as well. He died not long after Mm. the launch of Hello Darkness. 
you know, that's cool. A, a very literary life. Mm -hmm. Literary life. Beautiful. Um, so in other book news, oh, we just have a bit of spin-off news, just welcoming um, Ashley Young as the new poetry editor yeah. on the spin-off. It's slightly delayed. Um, Again. <laughs> Again, we're slightly also behind. also her um, new fortnightly column for Canvas, the supplement in the New Zealand Herald. So her first column came out on Saturday. Did you guys read it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Read it. It yeah. was really great. Yeah, oh. Can't wait to see what else she comes up with. It I have gave, not read it, but I'm very excited that she has a column. That's awesome. Yeah, It gave me a little re... Because it kind of has the similar tone to Can You Tolerate This? Of mm. that just like inwards looking, but outwards looking. Mm. Um, really, um, really direct and relatable. And so yeah. the, the column was about laughing. And it was really <laughs> good. It was really good and self-deprecating. And I'm really looking forward to that. And she's um, alternating the canvas column with our old mate editor, <laughs> Steve Bronius. So we'll see if his stands up to Ashley's Ooh. next week. Oh, we'll not that it's a competition. Battle of the, <laughs> the spin-off books editors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's a great pairing and a good um, good angle for the canvas. Oh, totally. Yeah. Great move. Really yeah. good move. Yeah. All right, well. That's probably enough book, enough book news for today. Yeah. Let's move on to the Unity Book of the Month, which is... Oh, okay. I thought I'd, like, copied all the info in here. It's, <laughs> it's In Extremis, The Life of War Correspondent Marie Colvin by Lindsay Hilson, published by Chatter and Wonder. So it's a $55 hardback. Yep, and it's available at Unity Books and Wait, anywhere you get your books. It looks like an amazing story, and I love the cover. Mm, great cover. Good hardback gifty or you know book for your solid book on the bookshelf and now it's time for our book reviews very exciting who wants to go first louisa you go first because you're at the top of the list all right i'm always at the top of the list i knew that <laughs> um so my book to review today is called women in the field one and two um, which is a very interesting title mm. um and it's by a writer named thomason slay it's published by lawrence and gibson um, from 2018. It is not on the long list, the often long list. Mm, interesting. Um, but I don't know if that's because it, you know, if, if it was eligible or if it, would it have came been, within the time frame. It would frame. have been eligible. Maybe okay. they didn't enter it. Is that what you do? Um, you do enter it. I imagine that they probably did enter it. Not mm. that I have no knowledge of it, but I imagine that mm. they would. They were shortlisted for Southern Downstream. That's right. That's mm. right. So this book, I think, should be. I think this book should be on the long list because it's really fantastic. Oh, so it's an omission, maybe. Yes, yes, it's a it's a, it's a notable omission. Um, I hadn't really heard that much about it, um, but it's starting. Um, there was a review on the Pantograph Punch, yeah, I believe, um, and an interview with Holly Walker. Yes, it was an interview with Holly Walker. Thank you. Um, so yeah, this is all about a young British woman in post-war London. She's working at an art gallery as I think an assistant curator and she's just kind of being gaslit by all the men, all the sexist men who are working around her and above her and it's just this really interesting time in history, um, you know, post-war London where, or just post-World War Two, really, when men were coming back to work and women had already entered the workforce and there was a lot of tension I think around that. Um, so she... There's all this great stuff that I think a lot of women who have worked in the arts nowadays could still relate to, you know, mm. just walking into, you know, an opening or a launch or something and there being, you know, dreadful elderly white men 
fishing for gossip, <laughs> fishing for institutional gossip, and everyone just kind of screeching and drinking wine. And um, anyway, she hooks up with a Russian painter who has not been very well recognized. And due to some really unusual coincidences, they end up going to New Zealand to present an exhibition of this Russian painter's mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. And it's a big shake-up for the um, Wellington art scene. And it's just it's just such an, an inventive and unusual book. I haven't really read anything like it, and I'm sort of surprised that I haven't heard more about this book. But, I mean, yeah, what do you guys – have you heard anything about yeah, it? Yeah, I definitely. It's, it's on my bedside table. I yeah. just haven't read it yet. Definitely heard yeah. about it before it was coming out and thought it looked great. Um, definitely know her work as an art writer. Yeah. I didn't read her first book, Ad Lib. Ad Lib, yeah, which came out a couple but, years ago. Yeah, what was it 2014 or 2016? I haven't um, read that book either, but I'm going to go back and search it out. Yeah, She's cool. an incredible writer, and it's um, it's just so beautifully. So the title, Woman in the Field 1 and 2, those are the titles of two paintings oh. that, the, um, that Irina has um, painted, and but of course, it also relates to these two women in the field of art. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, Clever. what initially is quite a confusing and hard to remember title. <laughs> so it, the Russian painter that she hooks up with, do you mean, is it a man or it's a woman? It's a woman named yeah. Irina Durova. Ah, yeah, okay. Yeah. And um, so what makes it unusual? Is it the structure or is it just the story? I think it's just unusual in that I feel like this, to talk about someone's journey in to talk about a woman's career a woman's career as a journey in the arts in the 1950s as and to have the stakes seem so high mm -hmm. that to me is what's unusual about it mm -hmm. and it kind of feels like someone's kind of like shining this torch into the past even though it is a fictional narrative it just it just kind of picks up on these kind of like gleaming kind of people who were not part of literature who were not mm. you know seen and it's just to to sort of examine the life of someone who was 30 who was you know not married and essentially regarded as a spinster and the way that her family treats her and the way that she's treated at the art gallery mm. um it's just it's just fascinating and it really is it's it's not unlike some of the um you know, women, women working in the arts, you know, having existential crises, books that we've talked about in the past, but it's also quite different to mm. me. Oh, cool. I can't wait to read it. Uh, it just sounds so good. I think you guys are going to love it. Yeah. I think it's really a really special gem of a book. Oh, great. Um, I'm sad that didn't get long listed. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, we can... Um, it's on our long list. <laughs> <laughs> the Paper Cuts review of yeah, books. Yeah. <laughs> Not that we're sitting up in competition, of course. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that sounds that sounds really, really good. I really like what Lawrence Gibson have published, which I've, yeah. I've read. It's got, yeah. always seemed to have a good, really um, great tone. Great tone. And kind mm. of often their books are set in places that we know really well but the unique stories and mm. unique angles um, and unique voices so it just shows that you know fiction can be fresh yeah they take risks don't they I think mm. that that's so important and I think that they seem to be nimble and agile enough to do that mm -hmm. 
um, yeah, I don't know what their kind of like financial status is. Yeah, um, <laughs> well, I was going to say, you know, they they don't seem to have that kind of financial pressure of yeah, got to have a hit. Yeah, hit yeah. single for sure. Um. <laughs> All right, well, that is my review for today, unless you guys have any further questions. Great review. Yeah, thanks, Lou. Thank you. Thanks, gals. Um, Next on the list is Jenna. Are you ready to go? Yeah, um, I did a last-minute change of my book review. Um, I noticed. And it was a book that I just finished in the weekend. It's called The Age of Light by Whitney Shara. And this is the love story of the photography duo Lee Miller and Man Ray. So it's probably fantastic. Great duo. Great duo. I probably wouldn't have picked it up um, if it wasn't about photography. Um, It seems in the similar vein as, I don't know if you know this author called Paula McLean. She's done um, books about Hemingway's wife. Oh, yes. There's the Paris wife. Oh, she wrote the Paris wife. Oh. Yeah. And she does a fictional. Martha Gellhorn, was that? Oh, yes, yes, yes. The name of the wife. Oh, wasn't it about um, Hemingway's relationship with oh, that journalist? Yeah, or is right. that another one of his? I think there's two. There's two. There's two. So it's sitting in that kind of rom- historical romance category where it's looking at Europe in the 20s, 30s to 50s. And the, yeah, the, so the reason I picked it up was that it was about photography. And Lee Miller was um, a model in New York and then she moved to Paris and became the assistant to Man Ray, the avant-garde photographer. And she also became his lover and muse. And oh, God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, um, they came up with the technique of solarization, which, if anyone has studied photography, yeah. that's like one of the thing, first things you do in the dark room. Um, Lee Miller was an amazing woman, and the book touches on mostly on their relationship, but it does have this um, prelogue. What do you prologue of her in the seventies in England when she was a food writer for Vogue? She really mm. um, she moved to an English country house and she wrote about living in the country and having chickens and making these amazing meals, which seems quite um, oh. kind of cliche now, but for yeah. then it would have yeah. been this um, kind of quite new thing, especially as a New Yorker as well. And um, But I think one of the most amazing things that she did was she was a war correspondent for Vogue Mm. and um, she spent so much time there um, and she stayed after the war had ended and these these really famous photographs of her in Hitler's bathtub um, and she kind of, she photographed people in quite an uh, artistic and fashionable way, like not fashionable, like with a fashion I. So kind of bringing those two fields together of like high art and fashion. Yes, yeah, in her in her photography in her photography, um, and she also wrote as well. And when she came back, she suffered incredible PTSD and was an alcoholic, which was kind of brewing away earlier. And um, she found solace in cooking, which mm. led to this cooking column. So. Um, this is Whitney Shara's first book. There was a bidding war for it. It led to a million dollar book deal, which is. She's not the first debut author that's had kind of like um, Emma Klein and the girls. The girls they have these yeah. like new authors who are getting really big money. Um, and when she wrote it, she had no agent or publisher and took her five years. She just wrote it after seeing an exhibition. And then, wow. There you go. Millionaire. Um, I love it. I know. It sounds quite nice. But um, <laughs> it's one of those. It's a really marketable book. It's that woman behind the man 
type of historical fiction and I loved all of the descriptions of the dark room which is just because I've studied photography um, but it really reminds me or sits in that category also of Never Anyone But You by Rupert Thompson which I know you've read Blue. It's a beautiful book. And um, it's that Never Anyone But You is about two different artists um, Claude Cahun and Marcel Moore and Claude Cahun turns up in this book in this book oh, um, cool. so it's kind of like they cool. all cross over and it's all at the same time this Paris in the 20s it's really smoky dingy um, sorry sorry, everybody's pointing at my phone um, <laughs> we're all pointing <laughs> accusatorily at your phone I thought it was your phone um, <laughs> um, so it's that kind of like dingy dens and yeah. um clubs and art and but it's all very male focused and so these stories are about the women who were trying to move on forward and get their voice wonderful Um, not to focus on the men but how does Man Ray come off in this in this book oh Man Ray is actually you know fine they had quite a nice beautiful relationship that's refreshing Um, (laughs) I think I, there's some things that happen in the book that I don't know if they happened in real real life or that kind of like who made the work or, you yeah. know, um, who came up with what technique because it's coming out of his studio. It always has his name on it, even though oh, she was so involved. Right. Um, it's a lot sexier than Never Anyone okay. But You. So, um, I mean, that the sex scenes aren't too cringy. It's just... Well, that's an know. amazing thing to... <laughs> yeah, amazing. I mean, they're just like... Kind of a, a half page yeah. passion, you know. It really tries to explore the passion between Man Ray and Lee Miller. It's quite, I don't know. I just find some of this stuff quite, I don't know. It's a very <laughs> A to Z, like straightforward story, but um, I didn't find I actually quite liked it. And it was a nice, light read. It's no literary triumph, but I think there's a lot of people that would like a book like that. And then it actually led me to order my very first library book. <laughs> Which is Lee Miller's War, which is oh. her big photography um, book. So I'm so excited Wonderful. for that to arrive. Oh, that is so cool. Good one. Yeah, so I think when you look at Goodreads, it kind of has that either three stars right. or five stars. Depending like on people. what people want. They want a, something really literary or they want a light read and it's not mm, what yeah, they it's sort of that It's sort of that middle ground, isn't it, of like, you know, middle ground sounds a bit stink, but, you know, it's it's not like, it's not, light guff and it's mm. it's you know it's got some substance but it's not it's not going to necessarily super really challenge you in any kind of like plot way or no and yeah. it's just just above middle ground I would say okay yeah but well it's very really well written it's not like clunky writing mm. or like really just it's not it, it was fine. It was great to read. I didn't notice any problems in the writing. So I think she's done a really good job. And it actually just makes me want to read like a really gritty memoir or, or biography mm. of her. Like mm. I want to know more about her and I want to know the longer expanse of her life because quite a yeah. lot of interesting things have happened. That's one of the wonderful things about historical fiction is that, you know, you're like, oh, this is a factual thing that I can learn more about. Yeah, totally. Learn totally. some actual path. facts about yeah. maybe. Yeah. And the cover is like... It's got. I don't have it with me, but it's got the sad, like vintage lady on the it's cover. Pretty ho hum, eh? Pretty <laughs> ho hum. And I've just thought of the perfect cover for it, which is if something that happens in the book, and Ooh. I think it's such a missed opportunity. Ah, do you know? Because when you mentioned the book to me, Age of Light, I was like, oh, I don't know that book, mm-hmm. and of course I did. It's just 
The cover was so sort of unmemorable. I didn't even acknowledge the title. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. I mean, yeah. even the title's a bit sort of, I don't know, you know, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but pick it up if you're interested mm, in that kind I of thing. I can think of several people who mm-hmm. I think yeah, would really totally. enjoy that, including myself. Mm, cool. All right. Good review, Jenna. Thank oh, you. Thanks, guys. Sorry about Jenna. the buzzing. Was it me? <laughs> Well, I think yes, so. oh. it wasn't us. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so um, I've got a book called um, A Mistake by Carl Shooker, and it's published by Victoria University Press on March the 14th. So it's a little bit of a pre-review, but a two bit weeks. of... Two weeks, but a bit of pre-pub date. But what are your Anybody? Now? Yep. <laughs> um, so you probably know Carl Shooker is a Wellington-based writer, and I think a Mistake is his fifth book. Um, I really loved his book in 2006, The Lazy Boys. Have you guys read that? Oh, I love it. I really want yeah. to read that. Oh, it's so good. I yeah. should get it out from the library. You should. I should get it out from the library. It's so love fantastic. It. That yeah. was a life-changing book for me. It was such a good book. Such a good book. Um, just really striking, believable depiction of toxic masculinity in um, Dunedin around yeah. Scarfy culture. But he's such a good writer. Um, so A Mistake, it's... A slim novel, and it's based around a woman named Elizabeth Taylor, who at 42 is the youngest and only woman consultant general surgeon at Wellington Hospital. Um, And she's extremely gifted, very driven, um, very process-focused. And there's this intense scene early on where she's leading her team in uh, theatre for what should be something that's quite routine. Um, and the music, you know how um, surgeons can have music playing in theatre. The music that she selects is um, Slayer's Angel of Death from their classic and, in my opinion, best album, Rain and Blood. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all very heightened and intense. <laughs> but then something goes wrong and people want answers. So it's about accountability. And I think there are so many interesting issues at play in this book. And it sort of deals with process and it deals with burnout, but also the complexities and frailties um, around human error. Mm-hmm. And um, what Shook has done is he sort of intersperses chapters with pieces about the American Challenger space shuttle disaster in 1986. Oh. And of course, it, that's something that broke apart in 73 seconds into its... um, Yeah, it was a tragedy. Yeah, killing all seven um, crew members. And so that's a fascinating parallel there, I think. And the Challenger was something that was, I guess, troubled from the outset. So I really liked these interesting interjections. And he lays it all out um, in here. I'll just read it out. He says, If you want to understand the implications of massive system failure determined months in advance but happening in microseconds in front of you as you try to cope in real time, the Challenger timeline is the first thing you might read. Wow, that's powerful. So I really liked that intensity. And all the while there's this new reporting system being introduced around big data. So it's quite a paranoid and on-edge feeling. Um, And it's based in a very vivid and recognisable Wellington. And there's scenes in Auckland and also... um, at a quite uncomfortable conference um, in Queenstown. And I think one of the things I really liked about this book was Elizabeth Taylor, the character. Um, She's amazing and fascinating, and I really love the way that she's been realised. I just want to know why he called her Elizabeth Taylor. I find that so interesting. It's such a loaded name, isn't it? And the first thing I thought of, I mean, you know, Elizabeth Taylor's the famous um, actor, 
And it immediately made me think of J.G. Ballard's book Crash, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, there's the character Vaughn in Crash and his fantasy is to die in a collision, car collision with Elizabeth Taylor. Um, <laughs> and I don't know, I, I feel like there's the same kind of clinical coolness and kind of steeliness mm. and atmosphere in this book that J.G. Ballard has. But I'm probably being very far-fetched in my illusion there. But It is an interesting choice of name, though, isn't it? I was um, listening to a, an, another book's podcast recently um, called Backlisted, which was fantastic. Mm. I recommend checking it out. It's mm. all about backlisted titles mm. that are out of print. Mm. But they were talking about an English novelist named Elizabeth Taylor who I've yes. never heard of. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was thinking... My God, yeah. why would anyone accept Elizabeth Taylor? Be called Elizabeth, Elizabeth Taylor. Taylor. <laughs> it's too confusing. But I, I really love the way he's written her. She always he always talks writes about her. She smiled. She has this fixed smile and it's like this mask. Um and at one point, you know, she's up for twenty seven hours straight and she's so constipated that she hasn't used the toilet in two days. But she acknowledges that that's very useful for being an operator in theatre. <laughs> mm, that is messed so, up. So, I mean, the, the details are so refined, and he's really good at illustrating, I think, the nuances of place and character and plot. It's really neatly written, tightly wound, really compelling. It's a little, little book. It's a slim book, um, doesn't muck around, which I appreciate. Yeah, I really liked it. So oh, keep an eye out for exciting. A Mistake by Carl Shooker. It's interesting that this has come out after um, We Can Make a Life by Chessie Henry because that is looking at the plight of rural doctors. Yes. And then you have this looking at doctors and then with what's going on um, now with doctors' strikes. Yeah, that's right. It's the time. so prescient, you know, um, where young doctors right now are going through industrial action and kind of talking about fatigue and kind of separating from the physiological kind of, you know, component yeah. Of being a doctor and burnout, so yeah, and the sort of the the systemic failure mm. and and sort of where to, where to go from here. Also, reading about human error really um, interests me because you, you can read that seeing how you could make a oh, human totally. error, and yeah. you could yeah. maybe not in surgery, but in something else if you're driving or mm. biking or um, one little quite terrifying <laughs> little moment that can have huge implications. Mm. Yeah. Um, sorry if this is, has already been answered, but is this book set in the current day? It is, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure it is. It's contemporary. Yeah. yeah. They have dinner at Coco's Cantina <laughs> on K Road. So definitely within the last decade. <laughs> so. Of the time. Yeah. Like like Pip Adam, you know, having um, Fort Green and Fort Green and yeah. her book, New Animals. Although that wasn't a good example to choose because she wasn't favourably disposed no. towards <laughs> it. <laughs> Thank you so much for oh, that, that review, really Karen. Good. I'm so excited to read that Yay. book. Um, yeah, The Lazy Boys was just incredible. Oh, so good. I want, I'd like to reread it. Me too. You know, it's been such a long time. Because yeah. is it still in print? I'm not sure. I don't know if it is, to yeah. be honest. If it is, anyway, we'll talk about it yeah. off mic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now it's time for such an exciting moment, always, our Who the Fuck Is segment. And this and today... Uh, this one's juicy. The pressing question of the day is, who the fuck is AJ Finn? Or, who the fuck is Dan, Dan Mallory? Well... A.J. Finn is the author of the Gillian Flynn-esque The Woman in the Window, which is a thriller about a lonely woman who sees something through the window across her way. Have you read it, Louisa? 
No, but my sister has. Oh. And she uh, said it was rubbish. Mm. Uh, really? Yeah. Um, it sold really well. It was a huge bestseller. I mean, it's, it's quite easy to sell as a bookseller because if someone says I like Gillian Flynn. Oh, yeah. Gillian yeah. Flynn being the author of Gone Girl. Gone Girl. Sharp um, Objects, etc. That girl in the train type story. Yeah. Nothing is what it seems. And very inspired by Hitchcock, which he says himself because he was so obsessed. Yeah. He is so obsessed with Hitchcock. Um, AJ Finn is actually the pen name of Dan Mallory, who's a young man who's worked in publishing in both New York and London. He received a two-book deal for $2 million, and he sold the film rights of The Woman in the Window for $1 million. The movie starring Amy Adams comes out in October, and a new book will be out next year as well. But that's not why we want to talk about it. No. So um, this New Yorker article came out maybe... Two or three weeks ago, yeah. um, and this was written by Ian Parker, and it kind of delves in. Well, it doesn't kind of. It delves into um, a lot of uh, untruths that have been revealed about Dan Mallory and in his workplace um, stories, of which he had many. Which he had many. It um, is such a bonkers read yeah. because this man appears to be a compulsive liar. Yeah, so some of the things he's said that he's had to his colleagues is that he's had brain cancer, that his mother has died of cancer. She's still alive. She's still alive. <laughs> um, that his brother committed suicide. He says that he's ha- said that he has two doctorates. And um, it's just an insane story. And I have to tell you, so I met him last year because he was in New Zealand on a really massive press tour and he spoke at the Word Festival and he was so charming and told quite amazing stories. And I was speaking to a publisher who I know listens to this this podcast and I was saying to her the story that he had told me that was quite outrageous. (laughs) And she said... He he is crazy. (laughs) You were going to hear stuff about him because she knew people that had worked with him in London or something. And then she sent me that article and it just was like, here it is. It's here. Um, So the article's been out for a few weeks now and um, after reading it, you know, I feel like um, it's a wild story. I, I was just want... trying to find um, bits to, you know, quotes from that story to single out, and I just couldn't do it because there were so many. It's an it, amazing piece of it's journalism. It's an amazing yeah, piece. Yeah, it's long and exhaustive and interviews so many people, like authors who have worked with him, publishers, authors. Tom Scott from, the, from yeah, New Tom Zealand. Scott. Tom Scott from he's New Zealand. A, he's an early on in the piece that cracked me up. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, he was, he was they should have just interviewed here. You, Jenna. Yeah, yeah, where was my call? Um, Still waiting. Yeah, times. you'd feel really duped and like because he, I went to this published as Harper Collins put on this thing where we met him and he just like he was so, such an amazing speaker, but he was quite robotic. But I'm like, mm. was did I think that before I knew this? Mm. this but then story? people apparently at Word people had, or maybe it wasn't at Word, but it was at a literary festival where he was talking. And in that kind of very measured, robotic, rehearsed way, and someone in the audience actually asked him about it in the Q&A afterwards. Like, why do you talk like that? (laughs) And apparently he said, oh, I've taught myself to talk like that at theatre school or... Yeah, it was great. So strange. So, so, probably not true. I reflect probably on this time um, very strangely. Oh, I should put a photo of us two together yeah. on the Do it, do it. Oh, yeah. my God, do it. Um, <laughs> I've seen it. You look so yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> do I? He's very tall and he's very, like, broad and 
very American and you know it was it was quite a funny funny afternoon. <laughs> um, so I find it more interesting now after the piece being out for a while is um you know talking to people you know I went straight to my HarperCollins people and that yeah. you know they they're very professional and not saying not saying much about how they yeah. feel but um, Michelle Hewitson wrote a really great piece in The Listener I haven't where, read that piece oh it's so good it came oh, about out about her encounter with him right yeah well it's just like this I interviewed him and um, this is how I feel after this article has come out. And she interviews Michelle Langston, mm. our great friend who was the um, – she was the chair, at, the the chair at the session. So they – I think it's quite um, – it's quite a nice piece because it really acknowledges like men- mental health issues yeah. and that kind of thing. Like, I hope he's okay, but this story's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and that's quite well addressed in the article as well because um, Dan Mallory had at various times claimed to have various mental disorders. Yes. Mm. Um, but the kind of the one that he didn't. The one that he didn't claim to ha- have is, you know, a, a personality disorder, mm. like such as narcissistic personality disorder. So it, it is interesting because there is obviously some kind of some something happening. Um, but it is at the same time so offensive that he has used other people's problems to further his own career, not just to excuse things that he's done, but also to make people feel that that he has an interesting narrative, mm-hmm. that he's an interesting person. Mm. And, uh, wow, it must be so terrible being him. And not oh, only I that, think. though. It must in, be in, hell inside his mind. An industry yeah. that you get the impression from that article, right, that everybody knew. Well, exactly. And everyone was waiting for something to come everyone out. Everyone was passing the buck and going, oh, now he's someone else's problem. He's out of my life. Yeah. I can't be bothered. And, and yet that he does has happen. another mm. book coming, doesn't he? Yeah, and I think it's still it's still going to be still published. Because hey, I a two-book deal is a two-book deal. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's really – Resident publisher. <laughs> it's <laughs> industry it's news, in right? So people who read his books and really like him, like his AJ yeah. Finn – Probably haven't even read this article. It's such a Twitter flurry. It's such a like gossy type of story. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if you've read the listener, you might have read. You would have read Michelle Hewitson's article, but you probably don't think about that when you write the book. Yeah, so definitely check it out. We will, of course, link to it on our page. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> my, um, my favorite tweet after it happened yeah. was um, I was by a guy named Steve Kavana, and he said. When AJ Finn published The Woman in the Window, I thought he was taking the piss by ripping off Rear Window. Little did I know he was keeping the piss and then putting it in plastic cups to scatter them around a publisher's office. <laughs> oh, yeah, because that's, <laughs> that's another thing. thing that comes <laughs> up. And um, also that, yeah, that <laughs> The Woman in the Window really rips off a movie with Sigourney Weaver in it. Yes, yeah. Copycat. Copycat. Copycat, which is... <laughs> that is so funny. It's just so meta, the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, and he loves Patricia Highsmith, which you have the talent Which is Mr. so Ripley. Mr. Ripley. Um, oh, yes, and he said something about, oh, Matt Damon really didn't betray, portray Ripley very I well. I could have done it better. <laughs> he, was, he was so bumbling. It's like, well, yeah. Because he was an awkward hero. person. <laughs> so it's, this is a crazy story, but also feeds into the, like, the Fire Festival documentaries. I've just read Bad Blood about Elizabeth mm. Holmes. I don't know if you guys have read about Anna Delvey, who was this woman. Oh, yes. It's these just these like millennials gone bad. <laughs> it's the year of the grifter. It's, hey, it's not our fault. It's the economy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was wild. This was wild. I, yeah, it was what great. What an incredible piece of journalism as well. 
I think it's great. 55,000 yeah. words or something. Mm. It's, it's deep, but I loved it. Yeah, it I was incredible. It. All right. Um, well, that was a great who the fuck is. <laughs> um, so next up is the second review portion, the not books portion. So again, are you guys happy for me to go first? Mm-hmm. Yeah, go for it. Um, so I'm going to talk about something that a lot of people have probably already seen because it was released on Netflix to a lot of acclaim and kerfuffle. It is... Roma by Alfonso, sorry, directed by Alfonso Cuaron. Oscar winner. Oscar winner, exactly. So um, it is a, um, it's based, it's semi-autobiographical and the title comes from the neighbourhood in which um, Cuaron grew up, um, which is a historic neighbourhood. And it is really about the life of, a um a woman who was a domestic servant in his family and who played a huge role in his upbringing and i think he's he's just now sort of taking the time to to go back and and see this woman as a main character in her own story not just as a kind of helper character in his story although of course he is in there there is a little boy in there who represents um the young alfonso cuaron um, so yeah, as you said, Jenna, it um, did pretty well at the Oscars, and um, you know it won, I think, best director, best cinematography, best foreign film. Um, unfortunately, um, Jalitza Aparicio um, did not win best actress. Mm-hmm. Um, she is the woman who plays the um, the main character. Um, it's such a beautiful film, but I think that everyone has either loved it or hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched it with my family and we were sort of split down the middle. You know, one half said it didn't need to be black and white. The other half said it absolutely did need to be in black and white Mm. because it was so stunningly done. Um, Yeah, it's a really richly um, gorgeous film. The street scenes um, that take place, I think, in the 70s, um, they're so well done. You sort of think, how how did they make it seem so real? Um, and there's this repeated motif of um, a floor being mopped, mm. um, and later you find out that it's being mopped because they keep a dog in the atrium who <sighs> shits everywhere, <laughs> and so and so the main character is constantly cleaning up and like being told to clean it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it is such an incredible film. Um, have you guys seen it? No. I haven't seen it. No. Yeah, um, it's so, amazing, but it's um, you know high production values and done so well um, at the Academy Awards and had, you know, $50 million publicity fund to kind of promote it and um, it's Netflix. Mm. I, it's, it's so crazy for something that's generated on Netflix and mm. also it's because it's a feature film, it doesn't suffer from that Netflix-itis of being too long and sort of it doesn't have – that a slightly cynical, series. yeah, mm. and it doesn't have that slightly cynical feeling that I get from some Netflix productions where I'm like, you've really yeah. fashioned this up, yeah, um, because it is obviously a film. Um, so yeah, I really recommend checking that out. It's really easy to access. It's on Netflix, and but if you get the chance, I would go and see it at the cinema because mm. it is beautifully shot. Um, oh, so it is at the cinema as well. Uh, it's got a limited release, I think. Mm, it's yeah. on at, like, some random cinemas, like... Mon- Bridgeway. <laughs> Monterey and Howick. Oh, okay. If anyone's <laughs> heading that way. Um, I really liked the director's speech. Um, I don't know if you heard it on the RNZ this I morning. I never watched but, the... Oh. Uh, it was just... It just taught, it's talked about um, 
you know, telling the story of the main character yeah. and how there's so many of those types of stories to tell. It was really, it was mm. really sweet. It was mm. one of those examples of an Oscar speech where they have something to say and they don't think that people they just like tell say yes. this speech, amazing speech, and I yeah. think that might be better. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I rec- I do recommend checking it out and seeing where you fall on the love mm. it hate it. I'm intrigued. Yeah, thanks, Shibboleth. Thanks, guys. Who's next? Good review. Um, I'm going to talk about a website which has just been released and um, it's made by people based in New Zealand, but there's lots of people working on it. It's called Narrative Muse. Mm. And this is a book and movie matcher. Um, and I know the people who have been making the site have been working on it on a, for a really long time. But it, what it is, is, um, sorry, I'm just getting my right notes ahead. Here we go. Um, so what happens is you open up this website and you say whether you want to have read a book or watch a movie. And what what you do is you fill out a questionnaire and then it recommends books but the cool, and movies. But the cool thing is, is that it's got um, top-notch women screenwriters, authors and directors and movies that feature female characters. So cool. that is the, the basis of the website. Oh, I went on the website and I didn't realise. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that's okay because you don't have to know that to just have No, no, I got, I got some great recommendations out of it. Oh, I want to know what they are and if they were on the money. Um, well, one of them was Mustang, which is an incredible film that came out a couple of years ago, a Turkish film um, about um, sisters mm-hmm. and, um, you know, kind of like uh, these modern sisters in Turkey who um, – you know, their family have quite a conservative outlook on life and they kind of keep them sort of locked up, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, so that was a film that I really enjoyed. The fact that it recommended it to me mm. was and pretty impressive. Oh, so you had already seen it, but it recommended yeah, it to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what did you get? What did it recommend to um, you? Oh, this is terrible. I can't remember what I was oh. recommended. But the thing is, is that the books that came up with that stuff that I hadn't really heard of before, that's why I don't know mm. the names of them. So the people that are reviewing the books for them, which a disclaimer, I've reviewed some in the past, not that many, but um, you know, they just think of a book with a that they've really liked, so it's gotta be sort of four or five stars and then they will you fill out a form and like click all these buttons and then you will talk about um like whether it's violent or whether it has non-binary characters right. or you know, whether there might be some triggers in it and then you you as a user of the website can tick that I don't want any violence Mm. I want to read books about non-binary characters and then they'll all come forward for you and then you'd say yes I've already watched like you would have said I've already watched this great recommendation and then you create a wish list so yeah yeah um it's quite simple it's quite a simple interface and I think it's a really great idea from what I can tell it's not an app yet but I imagine it would be Mm. an app next but it's kind of like even more successful as an app yeah a tinder tinder for book and movies (laughs) but you know (laughs) I think a lot of our listeners would really appreciate some recommendations yeah. if they don't have enough already from us <laughs> from a website like this because it has that female focus. Great. Yeah. It's really cool. They've done they've done a really great job. And so they're New Zealanders, did you say? Um they li- uh there's I think what you know like live in New Zealand but oh, maybe yeah. not born in New yeah, Zealand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So cool. yeah, it's been, it's been a joy to work with them. They're very organized and That's they great. have really great values as a as a business. Yay. Thank you for letting us know about yeah, that, Jenna. Yeah, so good. It's a good, Check it's it good out. little tool. Um, Karen. So I'm going to talk about a podcast, which I'm sure you've both listened to, um, Jenna and Lou, um, How to Fail by Elizabeth Day. 
I have um, not. Oh, so you're cool. Yeah, it. yeah, it's really cool. It's the podcast that celebrates the things in life that haven't gone right. Um, and in each episode, journalist and broadcaster Elizabeth Day interviews highly successful people about their failures and how those failures have actually helped them do better and succeed better and what they've learned from that. And it just encourages us to embrace our failures. So, um, I don't have any failures. <laughs> we know that. <laughs> but if I did. <laughs> she was um, inspired to create this podcast when she, she's a novelist as well. She's written four novels. And I really want to read her fourth novel, The Party, which um, mm. looks so good. good. Yeah. Looks so good. I really want to read that. Um, she'd written a lot of novels and then her fourth one became really popular and a bestseller and she sort of asked herself all these questions about failing interesting, interestingly and how that gets you to a place of success and then she thought well what if I, she's a journalist so she's interviewing fascinating people all the time and she thought well what if I um, ask other people um, these questions that I'm asking myself and she'd um, been married and um, divorced and had all these other kind of things happen in her personal life. She actually sold her wedding dress and the money from that she used to fund the podcast. So something good came out oh, of that. Cool. How much did a wedding dress cost? Yeah, that's what I wondered. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I really like her interview style. It's really warm and encouraging. She's very enthusiastic so much empathy. She usually knows her interviewees. She usually either knows their work very well or knows them kind of on a personal level. So they usually have like quite a nice dynamic. Um, and she's written for The Observer, The Guardian, um, Vanity Fair and New York Magazine. So she's pretty established. And she just usually interviews people like, um, like she's done Lily Allen, She's done Dolly Alderton. Um, she just did Pandora Sykes. So that's those, right, yes. Listen to that one. What's that podcast called? The High Low. The She just did her. That's totally her scene. Of totally the people her that scene. She out with. Yeah. Um, my favourite one was the Olivia Lang episode. Of course. And it was about, <laughs> it was just amazing because, you know, you look at Olivia Lang and you think she's this incredible writer really strong, um, has this amazing singular career that she sort of seems to do on her own terms. Mm. And so this was really interesting because it was about her losing her way in her 20s and also about how her romantic breakups, which was so traumatic for her, um, actually led to some of her best writing. And my other favourite part of that one was how um, she spoke about being made redundant from her dream job, which was being the deputy editor of the book section at The Observer. And she talked about that whole kind of process. And, um, yeah, I just thought it was a great episode. But every time, no matter who she's interviewing, if you've heard them or not, or know who they are or not, it's really interesting. Yeah, the, well, the Lily Allen one yeah. made me read want to read yeah. and read the Lily Allen yeah, yeah. Um, book, um, which I ended up really loving, which mm. I did think, mm. I, w I don't know, it just wasn't something I was going to pick up. Um, and she's also done uh, James Frey as well. Which the is James like... Frey one was probably the worst one. It <laughs> yeah. was kind of terrible, not because of her, but because of him. And because well, he's he, a Dan Mallory type. He's another he? grifter, and he explained in that episode about how when he submits a novel to a publisher, he only lets them publish it on the 
strict terms that they're not allowed to edit it, change it, or give any feedback, and that's probably why his novels are unreadable. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think also because that one was done over the phone, yes, it wasn't as personal. The sound was pretty bad yeah. as well, but he it was quite an odd... She was quite gushy in that one as well. Mm. She normally isn't... It was almost like she was maybe trying to make up for something. <laughs> like, I think you're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. Yeah, she's I think cool. it's a great... And she's about to release a book, the How to Fail book, Yeah, right? kind of, I guess, personal development, but, you know, smart. Mm. Smart mm. and gutsy. I'm really going to add that to my podcast queue. I listened to the Pandora Sykes one... I think that's one of the latest yeah, ones. Yeah, I listened to that out. on Sunday. And what was the other one we both said with? Oh, Kristen Rupanian. Rupanian. Who wrote yeah. um, Cat Person. Cat yeah. Person, and you know you want this. She's just had one. And, and their a, one was live at Foils. Yeah. Yeah, so that that was cool. So there's some good ones. Pandora, I, I like hearing about people losing their jobs. Yeah. Like, I like I like the story of that and how you, yeah. how you overcome yeah, it or yeah, why totally. you lost your job. Pandora totally. Sykes lost a job because she asked for something like that she that she didn't know she was supposed to ask for. Yeah, and you, you know, she talks about the shame of that and how mm. she how she looked to her other colleagues and mm. yeah, it's nice. Mm. To, I like listening about people failing who well, I see as successful. Very humanizing mm. and very relatable. Unlike you, I'm a huge failure. <laughs> no, <laughs> whatever. That was that was such a joke. <laughs> you know, I've had so many failures, and I find that they are the way that yeah. to make something good, to make something positive. To, the only way to move forward is mm. to try things and fail. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and oh, Phoebe, Phoebe Briggs, Phoebe, what's her name? The I don't know. I haven't listened Flea to that Fleabag Lady. Oh, yes, no, that was one of the first ones yeah. I listened to. Yeah, in the first season. <laughs> yeah, yeah this is the full yeah. list of... Yeah, <laughs> I know, yeah. That's just trying to yeah. say that these are there's really good great. and there's lots of yeah. notable um, episodes. All right. Well, I think that's us for today. Guys, we are just so on time. Well, Congratulations. We are just um, rocking along. Less than an hour. Just, oh, my gosh. We're pros just, now. Yeah. I think people are going to be complaining because <laughs> it's too short. <laughs> um, thank you so much to the Matatui Foundation for your support. Thank you to Tina for recording. Thanks, and Tina. lest we forget, designing our logo, yeah. which is so incredible. It's so good. You hadn't even met us when yeah. you did that as well. I don't know how you did it, girl. You captured our essence. <laughs> um, that sounds gross. Um, thank you so much to the Spinoff Books page. Um, and, you know, you can check us out. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on email. And we're always at Paper Cuts Pod. Can't avoid us. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We're we'll taking over this town. <laughs> we'll be back at the end of March. Thanks. Also, I just one last thing is thank you so much for sharing because last time we put a call out to please talk about us and share us and people really did that. Mm, thank it was you. lovely and we had lots of people follow us on Instagram. Well, lots for us to follow <laughs> us on Instagram. And you could tell that they were listening and yeah. then being like, okay, I'll follow that now. So that was really cool. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Hey, mom, still waiting for you to follow me. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Kia ora e te iwi, te ai he Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.